Uh, and in this case, he removes his own ownership from the object. The food now, sitting on the rock or on the fence, is ownerless. And so this other person now takes the food. He's not benefiting from the original giver. He's benefiting from Hefker. Anybody could have taken that food. Uh, and therefore, he's allowed to eat the food. And there's a lot of discussion as to whether it's specifically in a case where he has nothing to eat. Is this a concession of Chazal? Or is it something that's, that's perfectly okay to do? But even in this case, of the person who has nothing to eat and, and uses the mechanism of Hefker uh, to be able to break through the neder, even in this case, Rabbi Yossi Oser. Rabbi Yossi says, no ways. This is not okay. This can't be done. And there are two views in the Gemara as to what the reasoning of Rabbi Yossi is. And there's the view of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, we, we know well already, uh, an early Amorah in Eretz Israel. So he is a Talmud of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, one of these people who bridges the period of the Tanaim and the Amoraim in Eretz Israel. Uh, lived in Tveria, was the Rosh Hashiva in, in Tveria. And Rabbi Yochanan gives one explanation of Rabbi Yossi's view. And Rova gives another. Rova is much later than Rabbi Yochanan, and Rova is in, in Bavel. But Rova is a foundational Amorah to the whole development of the Talmud, of, of the Gemara. And it's Rova that we'll focus on. Oh, my Rova, Hainu Taimed Rabbi Yossi, the reason for Rabbi Yossi, who says that this Hefka thing doesn't work, is Gezerah Mishum Matnas Beit Choron. It's a Gezerah because of the case of, of the gift of Beit Choron, which we're going to come to in a few da further, in Daf Memchet Aleph, where there's a Mishnah that a father had been angry at his son and had said that he's not going to have any benefit from his son, he wants nothing from his son. A little while later, his son is making a simcha, he's marrying off his own child, the grandson of the, of the father who made the neder. And the son feels really bad and would like to enable the father to participate in the wedding. So he takes the wedding hall and the, the food that, that's going to be provided, everything to do with the wedding, and he gives it as a gift to a friend of his. And he says, this is yours, so that my father can benefit, because he'll be benefiting now from you and not from me. Uh, and the, 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 we'll see when we get there how the Mishnah goes into that and the Gemara as to whether that's a valid gift or it isn't. Uh, but it's because of that, um, the, the concern that a person can make a, a gift in order to get round a neder, and it's clear from what he says that the only purpose of the gift is to get round the neder. It's not a real gift. So, for example, in the Mishnah further on, what the receiver of the gift then does, almost to test and demonstrate that this isn't a real gift, he says, okay, you've given it to me. I'm donating it all to the Beis Hamikdash, which means not only can't your father benefit from it, but you and your son and your guests, nobody can benefit from it. He says, oh, no, I didn't give it to you, with the idea that you could be makdashit and and the Gemara says that if you give a gift and there are limitations on what can be done with that gift, uh, including that you cannot be makdashit, you cannot, the receiver cannot give it to the Beit HaMikdash, that's not a valid gift. And because of that idea of this being so close to the case of Matnat Beit Choron, that's why Rabbi Yossi says, although technically the Hefke system works, but it's just too close to the Beit Choron situation where this wouldn't apply. And we're going to see the various different understandings of it. But what we're going to, to really focus on is the fact that there are two different girsaot in Rava's words. There are two different versions in the, in the wording of Rava. There's a difference in one word. And you're going to see what an important 
word it is and how much difference one word can make. The one Gersa is as we just read it. Gezerah mishum matnat beit choron. This is a Gezerah. Rabbi Yossi doesn't allow this Hefker technique because of a Gezerah, in case it will come to uh, being like a case of, of Beit Choron. The other Gersa does not have the word Gezerah. The other Gersa is just Haina time at Rabbi Yossi, mishum matnat beit choron. It's because of the Mishnah of Beit Choron and Daf Memchet. So the difference is, is Rova saying, that this case of Hefker that Rabbi Yossi is talking about is identical to Beit Choron, or it's not identical, but we're afraid it could come to a case like Beit Choron. Now the run goes the second view and says, uses the word Gezerah. Uh, and it's interesting, in some versions I noticed it in the, the, Bari, the way the Barilan quotes this run, uh, they quote it without the word Gezerah in, and it's wrong, that's incorrect. As you'll see, it's quite clear from the way the run learns that his girsa is with the word gezerah, and in, in most Gemaras, the word gezerah is there. And the run says, Umidina Rabbi Yossi shari. Technically, Rabbi Yossi says, of course, I agree with the Tanakhama, I agree with the, with the Mishnah, that this, this Hefker method where the man puts it on a rock and says, this is no longer mine, and now the person who is forbidden by Neda to have benefit from him, is benefiting from Hefker, not from him. Of course, that works technically. Um, because the moment he's mafkirit, it's no longer his. But we can see, it's so clear to us, Anan Sahadi means we are witness to the fact that his intention was just to enable the muda, the one who has been prohibited from benefiting, to eat. He wouldn't have given the gift otherwise. He wouldn't have been mafkir otherwise. And therefore, what we're concerned about is, if we allow this, we could allow it technically. There's nothing wrong with it. But what we're afraid is that if we do allow this, then there will, people will come to allow it even where he explicitly says, I'm doing this just in order to enable you to eat. And if you explicitly say it, there we see from the case of Beit Choron that that's not allowed at all. That that wouldn't work. Even technically, it wouldn't work. So the cases are different. The case of Beit Choron is he articulates the reason why he's doing it, and it's clearly a sly trick in order to enable the father to be able to eat, although he's made a neder. Whereas in our case, he doesn't articulate. He just said, this is Hefke, anybody who wants it can come and take it, and he doesn't articulate why he's doing it. However, says Rabbi Yossi, it's too close to the case of Beit Choron, and we're worried that he might come to articulate it. So according to the run, we're not worried about what his, what his intention was. We know what his intention was. But even then, we would allow it under normal circumstances. The reason we don't allow it is in case he actually articulates it. And in the laws of Nedarim, we're not worried about Dvarim Shebelev. We're not worried about what he's thinking in his mind. We're worried about what he articulates, what he actually says. Uh, and here we're concerned that he might actually say it and then still continue to allow it. Tosfut and the Rosh don't have that gears. And their gears is Mishum Matnat Beit Choron. El Amarava Mishum Maaseh Beit Choron. The whole thing is because of what happened in Beit Choron, meaning that the two cases are, identi are identical. But then they say something a little bit difficult to understand. So for example, let's learn the Rosh. Further on, on Daf Memchet, that wasn't a complete gift. When the son gave the gift away to, to his friend so that his father could come to the wedding, that was not a matanag murah. 
clearly didn't give it as a complete gift because when the friend said, I'm going to give it to the, to the Beit HaMikdash, he objected. And the Rosh and Toswat both put in that word nire, here too. So he says hachinami, meaning here too. The two cases are equated, they're the same. And yet they're not the same. In the case of Matnat Beit Choron, we're talking about where it's clearly not a Matana Gemura, it's not a complete gift. And in our case, he doesn't say it isn't Hefke Gemur. He says it doesn't appear to be Hefke Gemur. If you look at it, that seeing it, you would see that all he's doing it for is to enable the mudar to be able to eat from it because he doesn't have what to eat. And so we see that in the minds of, of Tosfot and the Rosh, because of the wording of the Gemara, when something is, doesn't appear to be uh, at face value, it's not by reading into it. It's not by major interpretation. If you just look at the facts, if you just see the scene in front of you, and you don't just listen to the words without seeing the scene, if you see the scene, you know what the words mean. So this is not a question, according to the Rosh and Tosfut, of interpreting the intent of the Nodeh. This is about interpreting the actual words of the Nodeh. That when the Nodeh said, when the, the, the person who, who, who had made the Nodeh says, I'm making this Hefker, the words don't mean Hefker. Because if you see the context, it's clear that that doesn't mean Hefker. Just as in the case of Beit Charon on Daf Memchet, if you see the context of the grandfather and the father and the wedding and giving the gift, if you see the whole scene, you can see, you understand what the words mean. And so here we have this difference that according to the run, what we're looking at is understanding the intention. And the intention is not, is not enough to, to interpret the, the neder, because with the neder we go by words. However, there's the, the question of a gezerah that comes close to the case of, of Beit Choron. So we must understand the difference between uh, understanding some, the intention and, and the meaning. The meaning, when we talk about understanding or misunderstanding, the meaning, we're talking about understanding or misunderstanding the actual words used. When we're talking about, about the, uh, the intention, then we're talking about what, what was in the person's mind, not necessarily the, the words that, that were, were being used. And so as we understand these differences, we understand the importance of seeing the scene. When somebody's talking, to actually visualize what they're saying and visualize the context in which they're saying it so that you can understand their words clearly, not just their intention. And there are cases when we use this in, the, in halakha, and there are cases when we don't. For example, when we're learning the Shulchan Aruch, we're learning a piece of Gemara, we don't look at the context more than the Gemara or the Shulchan Aruch actually describes the context. Because when you're looking at a piece of legislation in, in halakha, we look at the words and we interpret the words because the words have been chosen unbelievably carefully. And there's an enormous amount of siyatat ishmaya that goes into the, into the words. Um, the Tumim and other, others talk about the Siyat, the Siyat Adishma, almost the Ruach HaKodesh with which the Shulchan Aruch was written. Uh, each word is, is precise and each word is chosen carefully. The Rambam chooses every word so carefully. So, and, and the same in the Gemara, of course. We don't go into contextual interpretation in order to understand and explain Chazal. But if you take, for example, a case of Shailas Uchuvas, where a Posek is asked a question and gives an answer, and publishes both the question and the answer. And Moshe Feinstein explained to me in, a, in, in one of our terribly important conversations where 
each word he said when we had time to talk, it was at the end of his life and we didn't have a lot of time and opportunity uh, to, to talk. But every moment that I did have that privilege, so much was, was able to be learned from that. And one of the things that he explained to me was the importance of reading and learning and understanding the question of the Shiloh and Shuvah as carefully as we read and understand the answer. Because the answer is given in response to the question. And you can't apply the principles of the answer if you don't understand the context in which that answer was given. So in Shailot and Shuvot, when we're dealing with Shailos and Shuvas, it's terribly important, not just to quote from a Shuva of Ramosha Feinstein or a Shuva of the Chassam Sofer or a Shuva of anybody, but to actually understand the full context of the Shaila and the Shuva, the question and the answer, understanding the context so that you can interpret the words correctly, because context enables you to understand not only the intention of the Pesach, but to understand the words. What do the words even mean? What does the psak mean? We have to do that. And we see that even in, in the secular world, the questions of how to interpret the American Constitution. Do you take it very literally, just the words as they were? Do you consider the context of the times? And there are different judges that view it differently, and there are different theories of, of constitutional interpretation in terms of how much context you take. Uh, but what's important for us is when you when somebody speaks, imagine the situation in which the uh, the comment was made. See as much of the picture as you can, so that you can understand the words clearly. Sometimes it will help you understand intention. Not that intention always matters. If one talks, Loshan Horan says, "But I didn't intend to to do that, or I didn't intend to cause anybody any difficulty or hardship through what I said." That doesn't help because at the end of the day, as with Nadarim. When you've said something, it's out there. It's like a physical action. You can't hit somebody and say, sorry, I didn't mean to. Uh, the fact is you hit them, you hurt them, you damage them. It's the same with words. The words are out. The intention doesn't really matter that much. And so, yes, context can help us understand intention. But sometimes, not even did we not understand the intention, but we didn't understand the words. If we would have understood the words correctly, we would have realized there was nothing negative in the words. The words were, in fact, sometimes very, very positive. And so important to visualize the full context of in which a saying was said, in which a comment was made, so as to understand their meaning clearly and give the person the honor of understanding and recognizing what it is they were saying.